I'm going to let the mailman deliver the mail first here and uh, let and let him leave the street before we officially record. <laughs> On cue, I have nothing funny and clever to say today. I'm just boring. Today is Tuesday, January 17th. It is about three and a half hours before the Dallas Stars play the New York Rangers. And we are less than 24 hours, probably about 24 hours removed exactly right now from maybe the moment heard around the world, in the hockey world, where uh, Jamie Ben decided to go and uh, decided or or didn't decide. Well, I'm sure we... We can get a better answer from him directly if he ever decides to tell us. Uh, decided to go and break roughly six hundred, seven hundred dollars worth of sticks in a span of about thirty seconds. That hurt my soul to watch. Have you ever tried to do that? I got like, have you ever like, you know, you see like Bo Jackson breaking a baseball bat over his knee. Have you ever tried to do that? I don't know how they're able to do that because I tried to do that once and I thought that my femur was going to snap, but not the bat. <laughs> Do you think? I think you might have to crack. I've never done it with a player stick, so I, I have smashed a goalie stick over the post before. Well, I've smashed a player. Like I, I didn't hit, if you hit it in the right spot, yeah, like a post or something like that. I mean, these things have weak spots in them, so if you hit it in the right spot, it'll snap. And I did that once with a. I mean, granted, I was using it for street hockey, but it was a Bauer Nexus. So I mean, it was a relatively expensive stick that I don't even remember where I got it from. But I just smacked it against the pipe, and it just well, it's I, around the bar. That's one thing. That, I, the post, you can do it. I mean, was it the, uh, what was it, about four or five years ago now where uh, Tomas Falcón got concussed by his own player? Do you remember that? Yes. Who was trying to break, <laughs> who, who missed yeah. missed breaking his stick on the uh, on the post and decided to hit Falcón in the face. <laughs> you remember that. So at least Jamie Benn took out his frustration on his own sticks and didn't go concuss one of the Stars goalies. Well, then they then 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 they might have been able to stop the first shot of the game. One of the first three shots of the game, man. We for all the defending of the goaltending that we've done this year, they sure picked a real. I mean, they just got it all out in one week. Oh, completely, and they uh, they. I mean, it was probably so. Lindy Ruff does not tell. uh, I was not in Buffalo, but Lindy Ruff does not. does not disclose who his starting goalie is. We we can make a guess by who's first off the ice, and we're we're always right. But um, when there's no morning skate, if you ask Lindy who's starting goalie is, he won't tell you. And so before the game in Buffalo the other day, uh, uh, Joe Yurden from uh, who's my uh, fellow NHL fellow NHL.com correspondent asked Lindy if it would be on to your Carian net, and Lindy said, "Well, it'll be one of them. Hopefully, not both of them." So at least Lindy's having fun with it. The uh, yeah, so we we've defended the goalies, and now they decided to go let up every single. I mean, they've decided to have a complete crap past eight games now, mm-hmm. and then last week we go through and we break down all of waivers, and then Jamie Alexiak conveniently breaks his hand, so we don't get to a point where <laughs> where waivers come into play. <laughs> So maybe by talking about negative things this week, which we're probably about to quite a bit, maybe things will turn around a bit. Maybe maybe if we go off the uh, the role reversal from what actually gets discussed on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so there's that, Stars fans. So maybe uh, we'll see that. The uh, before we get more to the Jimmy Ben thing, I still want to address because I've never seen this before, and it, they may have changed the box score and have gone back, but. Antti Niemi in the loss to Minnesota the other night on Saturday in that game that the Stars lose 5-4 and uh, Niemi technically allows a goal on the first three shots of the game. At one point on the score sheet, Antti Niemi had allowed three goals, had allowed two goals on one shot and three goals on two shots. And he, he was not credited with a save in that game. However, I was sitting in the press box and I watched... Uh, 
the first shot of the game hit him in the face. I know for a fact, I saw with my own eyes, the first shot of the game hit him in the face. And then you have the actual goal that was scored by Koivu. His shot hits Stephen Johns, is blocked by Stephen Johns, and then Johnny Oduya inadvertently puts it in his own net. Now, on the official play-by-play, they give Minnesota a shot on goal for... Uh, who was who? Who had, it might have been Suter who had the shot on goal. I'm just going to say Suter since he probably played 45 minutes that night anyway. Um, um, Wild Minnesota Wild player. I have to look it up. Who took? But they had give credit for the shot, and then six seconds later, they have a shot by Koivu that is listed as blocked. But Koivu did not get credit for a shot on goal, even though he scored, <laughs> and gets credit for the goal. I've never seen that before. I've never seen. A goal go on the ledger without a shot on goal being counted. Yeah. But, but then they decided, well, we'll just fudge the math and uh, we'll have, uh, we'll still give, Niemi didn't have that save. So <laughs> that was, whether he had one save on four shots or zero saves on three shots, either way, it was, it was bad. <laughs> I had a real interesting conversation. That wasn't really a conversation. It was more so a back and I don't even know what it was. It was like three comments back and forth with Gordo at the press box at the PC mm-hmm. game the other day talking about shot charts. And he's sitting there. He was telling me that if he was doing the shot charts, he would not, even if the goalie made a save, he would not count it as a shot if it was going wide in the net. I disagree so with that. If, even if the goalie make, gets a goal. Well, of course you disagree with that, Mr. Goalie. <laughs> You're going to pad your save totals. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I didn't. I mean, I don't disagree with you, either, yeah. but he was saying, I mean, and it came, he said it's in the NCAA rulebook, so he looked it in the NCAA rulebook, and it's basically, it basically comes down to what your determination of a shot is. So, I mean, it kind of, that's kind of funny that this happened. We literally had this conversation at the last home game, so not this past weekend, but the weekend before. But it was basically about that, so base i don't know i felt i just found that kind of ironic it's uh because right what do you do with that like a guy like or like when patrick line scored on his own goal a couple when he literally shot the puck like he ripped the puck into his own net what is that a shot on goal for the other yeah yeah, it it is it's technically a shot on goal it's 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 like when the goal so you know when a goalie scores a goal um where the other team's pulled the goalie or if it's a delayed penalty and the goalie makes a save and you score into your own net, the goalie technically gets a shot on goal. Even if, even though the extent of him creating the goal was he made a left pad save and then it gets shot all the way down into the other net by the, by the, by the other team, he technically gets a shot on goal. So I've never seen that before where a guy gets credit for a goal, but doesn't get credit for a shot. Who knows? Maybe retroactively we'll go back and the Emmy will get a save and all of a sudden. I'm, I'm sure the NHL staff department is hard on work, make hard at work making sure that gets changed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, always, I always kind of not, I mean, this is a little, mm-hmm. I mean, sort of on the same topic, but a little off topic. I always found it funny how like two days after the fact, you'll see someone tweet out scoring change from this. It's like, do they, they're literally employing people to look through. Well, I mean, I guess if you have people looking through game tape to make highlight packages or whatever, you'll notice something like that. But it's kind of weird that they employ people to do that, I guess. On the NHL... With me, without knowing the context of why they're looking through past game tape. But. On the AHL level, it, it happens quite a bit with uh, where the scoring change... You can get things like that at the minor league level where a scoring change happens like that because there's not all the video and all the game tape where you'll sometimes get a player will... A pl- players will say after the game, hey, I had an assist there or I touched that. And then it'll get, and then the team will send in the scoring change to the league, and then the league will check it. That's what happens in the minor leagues. Well, yeah, uh, you get that because at, at least at the WCHA college level, or at least in Bowling Green, I don't know how many other places operate, you literally have student volunteers mm-hmm. writing numbers down of who touched the puck to see who gets the assist. So we'll get that every other game where they'll come up after the game and say, we're adding an assist to so and so. And a lot of, I mean, half the time, I think bullshit where they're yeah. just kind of throwing an assist on a guy to pads to get you know a little home oh yeah yeah exactly but, at this, but i mean you know sometimes the puck moves really fast or there's a scramble in front of the net and then they'll it's something you can't look at in real time because you obviously you got to keep up with your stat monitor so you'll go and look at it after look at the video after the game and you'll see oh so-and-so touched the puck here too secondary assists are uh whenever i think of secondary assist and stat monitoring i remember i so i played in this league um i played in a league for two summers, this would have been after 
this would have been between my junior and senior year of high school and after my senior year of high school. And there was the league. It was a summer league. It was pr- and it was a pretty good league. I was I just got lit up completely. The scores were like ten to ten to eight. It was four on four summer league. There was a bunch of uh, elite level high school players, guys, a couple guys who were gonna go, um, who were gonna play. A couple of the uh, guys who played for the, the, oh dogs, come on, really? <laughs> I guess they didn't get all the barks out. Yeah, they didn't get all the barks out before the show. Um, <laughs> Anywho, so there's quite a few uh, college hockey players in the Metro Detroit area, and so a couple there's a couple who played in that league as well, and it was high scoring, just four on four summer league. It was scores were ten to eight, eight seven things like that. But they had uh, these jackets at the end of the year. They, they kept stats, and at the end of the season, they gave away uh, ten like like jackets, like a you know like the tracksuit that you skate in that just say said top 10 scorer <laughs> they just they, they gave away 10 of those at the end of the season and it was just and how it was it was pretty much the guys who got those were the guys who were really good at picking up those secondary assists where they weren't even on the ice where it, it would be where the ref would be flying by and you'd go yeah seven had seven touched that <laughs> where it would just it would just be who could get their number in the ref's year the quickest it'd be like the ref would go like, yeah, 12 from three, and oh, seven. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, the, one year, or the, the one year I played high school baseball as a sophomore on the freshman team because that's how good I was. Wow. I, uh, I spent a, not a lot of time on the bench, but whenever I was on, I, I mean, granted, I didn't spend a lot of time on the bench because there were literally only 10 players on this team. I spent, whenever I wasn't playing, I'd do scorekeeping because I was one of two people on this team who had any sort of a brain whatsoever and there's this one kid that we had who pitched for us where um just biggest douchebag i've ever met in my life i don't even i don't know what happened to him but if i saw him today i'd probably kick him in the ball because i did not like this kid at all and there'd be one thing like someone would hit a fly ball and it was a ball the outfielder probably should have caught but he was too slow or he misjudged or whatever so it dropped not an error at all never touched it at all he misjudged the fly ball he'd come back after the inning he'd be like where did you mark that as a hit for? That was an error. And then he'd take the book out of my hand and erase it. And I'm like, no, dumbass. It wasn't an error. He didn't touch the ball. Maybe if you didn't leave your breaking ball hanging over the plate, they wouldn't hit it that far. We had a couple back and forth like that throughout the year. It was fun. You are technically correct. However, I do I do think that you should – I do think there should be discretion to give mental errors to outfielders who don't know how to take a route to the ball. I feel like I can remember a couple times where – the guy just misjudged the ball badly and didn't touch it at all where he was given an error because it was a play that it should have been caught. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've seen that once or twice, but technically by the letter of the law, no one touched the ball. So Mm -hmm. that's my idiot scorekeeping story of the day. Yeah. Well, things we don't have to keep score on. And actually, this is is funny because, so the, uh, so Jamie Benn broke three sticks against the Sabres. Okay. By doing my math correctly, because uh, I was at practice on Sunday, and I was kind of curious because uh, norm- typically there's a wall right outside the Stars locker room that's for game sticks, where players are supposed to set the put the amount of the sticks they're going to bring that are going to go to the American Airlines Center or go on the plane the next day. The players put their sticks there, and then, <clears throat> and then the equipment staff packs them up and uh, takes them. And for a typical home game, most guys usually bring three or four sticks. Um, some guys bring more, like Radic Fox that takes a lot of face-offs, so he brings five sticks to every game just because he could have a couple break on face-offs. But, so I was curious to see how many, guy, how many sticks guys were bringing for a three-game road trip. This is before, obviously, Jamie Benn. And so there were, there, there were eight Jamie Benn sticks on the wall <laughs> to, uh, to, go on the, uh, to go on the trip. Now, he may have added more. Yeah. I guess that's why he felt comfortable snapping at them in half ten. Yeah, so he he snapped three there, and so it leads me to believe there are still five healthy sticks that could all be snapped in half tonight. <laughs> that's good. Do you know what kind of stick he uses? I know it's a power. I don't know what. It, him and uh, I don't remember the make. Him and uh, him and Jordy both use the same make, but luckily. Jordy's sticks say Jordy's sticks say Darth instead of Ben, so that way you don't have to. Uh, that w- uh, so that way. Yeah, I'm gonna study this video and see if I can tell. Or the gift that you posted, I can't really tell. It's hard to tell, him, Jeff. Uh, it is. Um, I'm gonna try to do a frame by frame. 
uh, he's going too fast. Why are you breaking it so fast, Jamie? When I look at that video and the GIF, I wonder if he intentionally took grabbed two, because he, he grabbed two sticks. I wonder if he grabbed both of them and be like, I'm going to break one and use the other, or if he grabbed both of them and said, I'm going to break both of these. I, I, I really wonder how much of a... Uh... First one snapped so easy that he was just like, oh, that was fun. I want to do it again. Maybe. It looked, it looked very releasing. Yeah. And that brings us to our question of the day. <laughs> I'm going to continue to watch this and determine if I can I've watched that video a hundred times now I think the GIF a hundred okay. times at least well you you keep you keep going uh, and uh, I'm gonna find some video and I'm gonna yeah see if I can figure this well quite because I legitimately want to know the price because I just pulled out hockey monkey and the most expensive power stick they have is 300 bucks <laughs> but I don't but this is a see I don't think it was a nexus I think it looked more like the um God, it looked like the one, I don't even remember, it looked like an older model. I doubt it was an older model, but it looked like one of the Supremes, which is only, you know, I guess it's 270, so. Anyway, continue. I do have, I do, research speaking project. of, and we're continuing to get off track, but speaking of equipment and uh, funny, funny side story about equipment and older models of equipment. So I actually... Uh, Kari Lettinen, I was talking to Kari Lettinen after practice the other day about his skates. Um, because Kari uses old uh, Bauer Supreme skates that haven't been made in 10 years. Right. Um, and so I asked him, I was curious, and I kind of nerded out as a goalie. I asked him about how, how, how much use he gets out of his, how much, how much use he gets out of each skate, how much use he gets out of each cowling. For, for those of people who don't under, know what a goalie skate looks like, there's the skate itself and then there's the white, uh, the white barrier, which is called the cowling, which also holds the blade, which basically stops your foot from breaking when when a sh when when you take a shot off the toe. Um, but so I asked uh, Kari about because he has a skates that are haven't been made in ten years. I asked how he gets them, and they it's really kind of uh, on the level of sending Liam Neeson to find them. Um, like his current his current skates, he got from a uh, they they're from an a equipment store in Utah where literally the stars equipment staff was calling around just trying to find who's carrying these, uh, who's carrying these Bauer skates because he doesn't like anything that's currently on the market or anything that's currently getting made. And so they have, he hasn't gotten to use skates or anything like that, but he's literally, they're literally calling different, uh, equipment, uh, stores all over the country trying to see if anyone has a random pair of these skates sitting in the back or something like that. And that's how he finds new skates of a model that's uh, over, that hasn't been made in a decade. And, and then he usually, and then each skate, he said he t told me each skate lasts uh, two years while he goes through about five or six cowlings per season, which is which was interesting to learn because I was curious since I I used one. I never played in the NHL, obviously, but I used one pair of skates for ten years and never changed the cowling. But I also didn't face hundred mile an hour shots on a regular basis. Maybe he should get some new skates and he won't suck as bad. Oh, Ryan. <laughs> I can't tell him that in the actual video this either. This is going to have, this is most definitely going to be, oh wait, here we go. It's kind of yellow on the bottom. Oh, why didn't you turn it? I can't tell. This is going to be an ongoing research project. I just remember... I I just remember. Next time you're at the AAC, the next look at it. I I just remembered actually. I'm going to show this to you on the screen. Um, that the uh, oh this I forgot that this was. Uh, did you ever see the March 7, 2016 cover of the Hockey News? Mm, I might have, but I don't remember. <laughs> I'm going to put this there. the The cover of the March 7, 2016 issue of the Hockey News has Jamie Ben on the cover. And it says, oh, snap, Jamie Ben, your secret is out. And there's Jamie Ben breaking a stick on the cover of the Hockey News. Wicked foreshadowing, if I've ever seen it. Do you have it? I'm pulling it up right now. Let's see if I can drop this into uh... Let's see. This might even answer when you take a look at it, since as, some, as you take a look at it, this might be able to answer your question too of what brand of sticky's breaking. I hope so. 
Uh, did you get the image? No. Yes. Hold on. Um, this, 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 this is great foreshadowing. This. Uh, oh snap, Jamie Ben. I, I think this is great. I, I'm so happy I remembered this. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. But I still can't tell what kind of stick it is. It looks like Nexus, maybe. It looks, they kind of blurred out the Bauer part, which. Oh no, it's a Supreme. So it looks like SU. Yeah, I think he's got a Supreme. I don't know how much that would run. I guess it just depends on. Eh, it looks like about a $200 stick. Yeah, so we're looking at $600 worth of damage. That is currently on clearance on hockeymonkey.com for $120. <laughs> so, Jamie Ben, if you happen to be listening to this podcast right now, Hockey Monkey's got you hooked up right now, my man. There we go. Which, speaking of cost, that takes us to our question of the day where, uh, and I posed this on Twitter, and I got a couple answers of what's the uh, most expensive thing you've ever broken in rage? And you said you had a story about this. I do have a story about this, and I think it's kind of funny that Courtly post, posted back that she almost broke a 42-inch TV once. I actually did break a TV once, <laughs> watching a Dallas Stars game. <laughs> Not, this is not a joke. This is not me being funny. This was, I don't remember what year it was. I don't remember if it was, it had to have been pre-lockout, pre-2004 lockout, because this was when we still lived in Vegas, and the second lockout, or the first, that lockout ended right before, so yeah, it was, it was 2002, 2003, 2004, something like that, the old Dallas Stars glory days. They were playing Vancouver, and I distinctly remember them giving up three goals in the third period to lose this game, and I got really pissed off, and I spiked. It was, Granted, it was an empty water bottle, but it was a plastic, It was like a one of those plastic water bottles that had a hard plastic lid. I whipped it at our 55-inch big box tube TV screen that was upstairs, cracked the screen right down the middle. It didn't break the TV. It was still usable. I didn't tell my parents about it, and they asked me three days later, they're like, did you do something to the TV upstairs? And I'm like, yeah, I did. I don't think I got grounded or anything, which is kind of a miracle. But, yeah, that TV did not make the trip to California with us. Yeah. That's your, that's your magical tie-in for the day. The Dallas Stars have been making me so angry that I want to whip things at my television for the last 15 years. The uh, we got a couple of responses on that, and one was the uh, uh, video. Someone, Chris Rothery, said video game controllers, and I'm sure a bunch of people have broken video game controllers intentionally. A couple of those too. Well, unintentionally, but I've definitely yeah. thrown them because of anger. We had the uh, we broke. I don't know how many we broke, but we had a couple that were thrown or used as weaponry in college after uh, we would play uh, quite a bit of Mario Kart Double Dash at, in my apartment. And uh, there was uh, quite a bit of, uh, they turned into weaponry sometimes after, used typically by the loser, especially in a uh, Mario Kart in a game where it's not really based on skill, it's about who gets the luckiest item at the end of the race. <laughs> You got that. Um, Tom Dorsa on Twitter says, does a sweater count as breaking or tearing? Because I've literally ripped one in half before. I'll, I'll count it. I'll count. That's something that became disfigured in rage. So. Yeah, I'll count it. We had the 42-inch TV. Um, Rob uh, Palladino says they need to bring back the TV brick from the 1980s. There was no damage to the TV, throwing it out of the TV. I had to look this up. I had an idea of what he meant, but I had to Google it. They, had these, they sold these foam uh, bricks that you could throw at the TV that wouldn't hurt the TV. I need one of those. Like, I feel that you could still sell those today. I feel like it'd be, you'd have to make it lighter, though, because I think TVs in the 80s, you would throw it and it wouldn't knock it over. I think with all the... the, yeah, with all, the even mine is... Mine's still, like, four years old, but it's still flat. It's not like one of those new LED smart TVs or whatever that you could literally, if the AC's blowing on it the wrong way, it could fly out of your house. But I still feel like it block at this TV, it would fall over. And the last one we got was uh, from Jason Chamovich, who is the uh, actually the uh, head of AHL Communications, who is a apparently a 
listener of the podcast says he once kicked a hole in a photocopier once, maybe, intern problems, to which I say, Jason, maybe you should get a real copy photocopier and not hire an intern to be a photocopier. (laughs) (laughs) Anywho, I have a story, and it was kind of... uh, I don't know if it's it's kind of a somber, sad story, because it's uh, I'm going to title this story the day Sean's team fandom died. Okay. So, for those who don't know, my past history, I grew up in New Jersey. I grew up as a New Jersey Devils fan. I grew up as a big New Jersey Devils fan. I became a goalie because I watched Martin Brodor as a kid. I was... Uh, Loved watching the doubles. I was a big Scott Stevens fan. Um, the so went to a bunch of doubles games as a kid. We would I remember kind of, I got kind of hooked when they won the cup in '95, and then uh, I guess Dallas fans won't like me for this. I was a very big, very big fan of the moment that happened in 2000. Um, Shut up. <laughs> and the 2000. One of the as a kid, one of the best moments, one of the best games I ever went to. In hindsight, now was I went to Game Six of the 2001, Game Six of the 2001 Stanley Cup Finals, where the Devils could have won the Cup, but Patrick Waugh shut him out. And a game where he, where Patrick Waugh won his was set up to win his last Cup. But I went as a Devils fan. Um, I also went to Devils games in 2000 when they beat the Maple Leafs and. Fans were chaining Cujo, and he was he let up six goals in Game Seven, I believe, of the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, so I was a die-hard New Jersey Devils fan. I'm willing to admit that. Um, so to go to 2000, the uh, 2012 Stanley Cup Finals, the New Jersey Devils are surprisingly playing the Los Angeles Kings in the uh, in, in the Stanley Cup Finals, and I believe the date was. June 2nd, 2012. Um, we'll mark that as the death of Sean's fandom, as a, the death of Sean Shapiro's New Jersey Devils fandom, the start of it. Um, the Devils, the first game of the series, it was, uh, they lost 2-1 to one, uh, in overtime. It's game two. It's also going to overtime. And this is the type of, it's, it's Stanley Cup Finals. If you go up 2-0, if the Kings score in overtime, you go up 2-0, Odds are pretty good they're going to go on and win the Stanley Cup like they did. However, if New Jersey scores in overtime, it becomes a 1-1 series. It's best of it's best of five for the remaining, and all of a sudden anyone can win the cup. And then I believe it's Jeff Carter scores in overtime about five or six minutes into overtime, I think. I might be wrong on the time. And very angrily, I am uh, sitting on the table, sitting by sitting on the couch. Grab the closest thing. Grab the thing that's closest to me, which happened to be a uh, pair of nail clippers, and chucked it at this table that is uh, that this black IKEA table, which I still have. Um, this, this black IKEA table that is now the TV stand because there's a big gash in it where the the, the, the nail clippers went right into it, make a gash, and there's a big dent in it now, and. I'm all pissed off, angry, and turn off the TV, still a bit angry. And then I decided, eh, that was really fucking stupid. <laughs> and I decided right at that moment, that was really stupid. And I still, obviously, I still have hope in my mind that the Devils are going to come back and win the Stanley Cup. And I still have this, and I'm living in Kerrville, Texas at the time. I'm working at the Kerrville Daily Times and I'm, I still watched games three through six on the TV in the newsroom and rooted for it and everything. But from that moment on, everything slowly started to, from that moment where I picked up a pair of nail clippers, threw them and broke a table and said, well, this is idiotic. From that moment on, I kind of slowly stopped losing interest um, and, be, and completely divesting my emotional self in a hockey team. And... Part of that obviously goes into being in uh, the career path I chose to go, and you have to, you eventually you have to become unbiased. It's 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 a it's a fact of the uh, of the job, and I'm still a hockey fan. Obviously, I watch probably three or four games every day between what's on in the background, even right now on the TV right now, and the. Uh, but my New Jersey Devils fandom from that moment, June second, two thousand twelve 
because of an overtime goal against the Kings, and I just and I got ticked and I got pissed off at it. That's when everything started going to just to start to divulge. In fact, the only Devils game I've watched this year that I've watched from beginning to end was the game they played against the Stars, and that's because I was working the game. So that is uh, that's that's a backstory on how I used to be a Devils fan and people. And it's a thing. It's a thing that even uh, people in my family don't really understand because, like, I still get my mom's. My mom will still, I still get like random little New Jersey Devils things uh, for Christmas. Sometimes it'll be like, like, oh, what is Sean like for? Uh, what, what is what is Sean like? What do we get him for Christmas? So, like, I'll randomly get the something that's like the New Jersey Devils like coaster or something like that, where little do they know that they missed the funeral. They missed the funeral for my fandom from four years ago, and uh, the weapon being my anger and a uh, nail clipper. See, that was this always been the one thing that I was never super jazzed about going into sports journalism was I felt like it does that to you. It just sucks your fandom away because you're just around it. You're around it all the time. You're always taught you have to be objective. There's no room for cheering in the press box, blah, blah, blah. So at a certain point, like you're just around it so much that you just kind of I don't know, I feel like, especially if you're, like, covering a single team, like, you are covering one team, you kind of get immersed into that team, you don't really have a lot of time to pay attention to other things, mm-hmm. so, and then, I mean, you're just, I mean, and then on the national perspective, I mean, you're just around everyone, so then you kind of, you don't play favorites anymore, you just root for individual people or for stories and stuff like that, Yeah, That's something that I never really liked, per se, about the sports journalism field. It's a, uh, I don't want to say it's a sacrifice because I don't want to, I'm not doing anything important in this world. I cover a hockey, I cover hockey for a living. I'm not doing anything of circumstance or have any actual impact on the world like other people do. But so I'm not going to call it a sacrifice, but it is a, it is part of the uh, sports journalism job where you're still a, I mean, and I, and I maintain I'm still a hockey fan, obviously. I, I love the sport. It's what I, it's why you, you couldn't do this. You couldn't do what I do if you didn't love hockey. But, as an individual team level, and it's 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 kind of interesting to look back and something where there's no way I would tell seven year old Sean that twenty years later he'd be talking about how he doesn't care and doesn't know he doesn't care whether or not the New Jersey Devils would or lose the next game. That's something that as a seven year old I would have never comprehended, and it's it's just it's just an interesting quirk of uh, what happens when you go into this field and. It's the other thing about it too is you learn more and more about the uh, about the people and you root for people and you root for the good stories as you said. It's uh, like I, for example, I have no, um, I don't care whether, for example, I don't care whether the Florida Panthers win or lose. But after watching Colton Sevier go through the AHL and work his way up, I whenever a Florida Panthers are on, I watch and hope to see Colton Sevier playing well, just because of having watched him go from kind of. And also, uh, someone people never thought would become an NHL player to becoming a pretty good NHL player. Right. So. It's interesting. So now the question we have: this, uh, it's it's interesting with the uh, to talk to a couple people. I've talked to quite, I've talked to a couple sports writers and hockey writers about the sport, about what teams they rooted for as a kid and things like that, and. Um, like for example, I think it's uh, he's been a guest on this podcast before. Mike Russo, who has who is who even I think it might be still in his Twitter bio, says he was a diehard Islanders fan growing up, and and then uh, and then obviously that's uh, something where kind of then he covered the Florida Panthers and his life, and he stopped becoming an Islanders fan. So it's uh, it's an interesting it's an it's an interesting thing just looking back on for me, and that's the story of how my fandom as a Devils fan kind of kind of died and it I feel confident I feel confident enough saying that story because I try to people sometimes ask me what team I root for or things like that and I always tell them that it's uh I, I sometimes give the uh the canned answer of, well I cover the league I don't root for anyone which is true but I do have the backstory that if you were to ask me who I rooted for growing up I'll admit I rooted for the Devils until until I decide until something inside me decided to pick up the uh nail clippers and throw them and break the and, and break and break a table the, the nail clippers so the nail clippers did not break actually so 
they're, they're pretty quality brand of nail clippers, whatever brand those are. I'll get, I'll have Ryan get on that after he figures out Jamie Ben's stick. <laughs> now, I got all kinds of pet projects I have to do for this podcast. I still got to write the Yuri Hoodler episode of House. I got to find out what kind of nail clippers you were throwing at tables. I got all kinds of stuff I got to do. This, this is why we need a producer slash intern. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I jokingly post a job position for that on journalismjobs.com and see if someone actually emails me. Yeah. We don't pay in anything but experience and alcohol. The. And laughs. Yes, the. Uh, quote unquote laughs. Yes. And we'll give you, and you get to hear the podcast in advance for the rest of the world. A couple hours. Of, uh, you get an advanced take on our end of the year outtakes list. That is a uh, yeah. That that's going to be a good list. I'm really looking forward to listening to that in full. We may be the only people to laugh at that, but I'll be happy with it. That's like a um, my last year, my first last year of college. So four years ago, whenever one of my friends would say something hilarious, I would just tweet out a quote tweet out the quote about it and I at the end of the year I saved it all into a word document and at the last party we had at the end of the year I read all of them and there were like three of us laughing our asses off at the entire thing and everyone else who was sitting around this fire we were having is like what the hell are these people doing right now and I'm like you know what you're not funny so I don't care about you get out of my house even though we weren't in my house we were outside of it but I didn't care yeah so the reason Jamie Ben and the kind of sparked this whole conversation is the reason Jamie Ben's breaking sticks right now is because Jamie Ben is frankly not a very good hockey player right now. He is. Uh, oh, Cameron Gons was just recalled by the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Good for Cameron, former Texas star, and for Dallas star for about a dozen games. Anywho, um, the the reason Jamie Ben was. Uh, was uh, breaking his sticks is he's not playing very well. And he recently came back from injury, and Lindy Ruff even said it after the game Monday that it seemed like every time Jamie touched the puck, something bad happened. And Jamie Ben was asked about his play and how he's been feeling and things like that, and the direct quote was, uh, I don't want to say how I really feel because that probably wouldn't be good for TV. Um which you know, hey, it probably actually it would have been entertaining TV. I don't think I think. That, yeah, the the, uh, the FCC might have had something to say about it, but I would have been entertained. I, it definitely would have been entertaining. It would have been. Uh, I would have. I would have enjoyed that if uh, he actually did open up and, and speak his mind on what was. Uh, <laughs> what, was what was what was really bothering him. Um, how do you fix what uh, if you're the coach and you know, and you know he has to play because you you're not you're not at the luxury of a spot right now where you're you're not winning games. You're you're not winning games. It's not like you're up up there in the standings where you have the luxury to rest him. And you're at a point where frankly you need to do everything you can to win games. Mm-hmm. If I tell you, and, and this I mean it's an incredibly tough spot for Lindy Ruff and people. So people we know. Lindy Ruff is in a, in, a, in a very difficult position, but if I put you in that spot as a coach, what do you do right now? How do you fix Jamie Ben? <laughs> you kind of just, I feel like you kind of got to keep playing him and hope that he figures it out on his own. Yes. I don't know. I really don't know any other way that you would do that. You kind of, because I mean, you're not going to scratch him. I mean, he just sat out a couple games for his injury, so you can't, I mean, sitting in the quote unquote clear his head is kind of. That does nothing. I mean, especially when he knows it's not like he's a. I mean, he's still he's twenty seven, but he's it's not like he's it's not like it's uh, you're benching a twenty four year old John Klingberg, who needs to be like told, hey, you need to take a step back. You'd like to think he's your captain that, you, and he's admitted you'd like to think that he knows he needs to be better. It's not. And the difficult part about it is is if it's his off the residual effects of his off-season surgery, then literally nothing you can do is going to help him other than shutting him down. But clearly he's healthy enough to play, but potentially not healthy enough to play at the elite level that we're accustomed to him seeing. So at this point, you kind of just have to let it ride and hope that it just gets better on its own. 
because I there's, there's literal it's so tough and it's I mean it's it's so like you hear this coach speak and mm-hmm. you hear this and you hear that and it's obviously an answer that no one wants to hear but sometimes saying I don't know or do we just got to figure we just got to let it run its course is sometimes really the only answer that you can say I know it sounds shitty and it sounds like a cop out and it sounds like well you really don't know what's going on but sometimes you don't know what's going on and it's okay to admit that yeah it, it is a, it's an incredibly tough spot you don't know what to fix it and it's one of those things if I, I believe personally and I don't have any insight to this I'm not going to pretend that I do but for I, I I have a hard time believing something is not still bothering from that other injury because I know the foot might hurt but the foot is not the reason that every time he touched the puck that he that he coughed it up uh, I think something else is bothering him that we probably you know what it might be one of those things where we we don't get that if we don't get an honest answer on that till exit interview day where he actually um, yeah where he comes and where he says, "Yeah, guys, I felt like shit all season." <laughs> when like, you know, like when you think about it, like a core muscle, you don't really think of that. You know, it's not like it's a knee, it's not like it's an elbow, it's not like it's a shoulder or anything like that. But have you ever done like Have you ever gone like a like a significant period of time without working out and then did abs really hard after a workout one day mm-hmm. and then the next day you're so sore that it just hurts to cough and shit like that? Just think about trying to play athletically at an elite level with that sort of discomfort mm-hmm. that's what it that's i imagine what would it would be like recovering from core a core muscle surgery is just that pain consistently yeah it's, got- it's like it's not it's not one of those things where you're debilitated where you can't do anything with it like you can do everything with it but you know you cough and you want to die basically it, 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 it hurts to push out of poop it's a- it hurts to swallow well not hurts to yeah. swallow but like just stuff that shouldn't hurt hurts. It's the same. I imagine trying to skate to keep up with elite level skaters is going to be difficult to do with that. Even if it's not at that level of pain, even if there's just like a little twinge, like it's a, yeah. skating is such a, a mechanic, like it's so mechanically based that if even a little thing is off, it's going to screw you up monumentally. It's uh yeah, the, it's just like the uh, – it's a mental thing in the back of your head too where every time he goes into a corner and whether he admits it or not, he knows that he's got something ailing him. Um, ailing him. So every time he goes into a corner, who, what's saying what, – what's there from stopping him? Something being in the back of his mind that I'm not going to go full bore into this corner with whoever it is. I'm going to coast in and try and dig it out with my stick without going shoulder to shoulder Th- little things like that which i think we're seeing honestly because he doesn't go through and the only time and, and the only time we've really seen jamie ben play physical this year is when he gets pissed off he doesn't he hasn't played physical from the onset um there's been times where people where he throws a hit or he physically pushes a guy over but those moments have come after he's been frustrated or they've come after the stars have been playing poorly. He hasn't he hasn't had that physical element to his game, um, or the quote unquote. And, and I, I this gets. I have a quick side where I I think people use the word beast mode way too much for everything. I don't like that, but people always talk about Jamie Ben going into beast mode, and it's something where he doesn't do that on his own anymore. He has to get angry to do it, and he it ha- you need. Little and and then he's. It seems like he's doing it to make up for something else. So, I don't know. Maybe if maybe if I'm in a coaching seat, which luckily I'm not, because I don't know what I would do in this spot. The uh, the fact is, I would maybe you just put him on the fourth line. On, on uh, just have him work his way up. Just put him on a fourth line. Put Adam Cracknell back in the lineup because it's ridiculous right now that Adam Cracknell has been scratched. Maybe he'll be back in the lineup tonight against the Rangers. And put him on the fourth line and have him work his way up. So maybe that's what you do. It's well. The other thing that could save the Stars' season, Ryan, and this is we can all thank Aaron Rodgers for this. Uh, I knew this was coming. The the Cowboys' season came to an end on. They're uh, no longer sacrificing the other Metroplex sports teams for their own god like reasons and the, and the cowboys had their season ending press conference uh, on monday right around the time the stars are playing buffalo so i think we can still blame that on the cowboys success so tonight tuesday january 17th 
The Stars are playing the first... Right now, the Stars are the most successful... <laughs> oh my gosh. The Stars are the most successful Dallas sports franchise playing at this moment. Yikes. Doesn't say a lot about the Dallas Mavericks, but... <laughs> Not at all. So, since the, the Cowboys have, have lost, the Cowboys season is over. Now maybe there's room for the Stars to actually win some hockey games. Yeah, now that now that the uh, the Cowboys aren't sucking all of the victory juices out of whatever sports god presides over Dallas. Man, the way that game ended, the sports gods owe Dallas some good sports karma. Well, between the I saw this someone put out the other day for Dallas, uh, between the Rangers, Cowboys and Stars, the most recent season completed for all three. They all had the best record in their respective conference or league and all failed to make their conference championship game slash series. That's crazy. Like, that's uh, it's a bit of, that's unfortunate. At least, as someone else said, at least the Mavericks did a good job of not raising expectations and letting people down. <laughs> that's the type of stat that makes you want to stop watching sports. It's, 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 it's kind of... Uh, Looking at the standings, you are. Only pain you will find. Okay, speaking of looking at the standings right now, and thank you for the Yoda voice. The uh, I really don't like... So the bye week is really, really messed with how I look at the standings because there's so many games... There's, we talked about that the other day. Bob's a, Bob's a smart man. There's so With so many games in hand now, it's like when like when Minnesota and uh, Minnesota and Chicago played the other night. Minnesota had a chance to catch, and they did catch Chicago um, in points. They were only two points behind, but they had still played five less games. Yeah. Like, right now in the East, the Senators are three points behind Boston for second place in the Atlantic. Ottawa's currently sitting outside the wildcard threshold. They've played five less games, six less games than Boston has. They're two points behind Philly for the last wildcard spot, and they've played five less games than Philly. That's crazy. To, like for at this point in the year, for to have that kind of discrepancy mm-hmm. is insane. Does anyone? Ha- I, I I I don't know if there's a list out there anywhere. I wonder if any team has a particularly like late buy, um, or I have no idea. Because like I'm just, my, I just my my point is I wonder if this will have an impact on if this will have an impact on the uh, going to the season. The other the other interesting thing too is, and I wonder. I wonder if the, how much the buys make us look at the trade deadline a little bit differently, because uh, that's a good point. because one team you have that have that late buy and or if you have your wait, how am I if you have your buy a little earlier so you've played not as many games going into the trade deadline you theoretically think that you have mm-hmm. like if you're playing catch up with your games in hand then like oh if we win all these games then we'll be right there and then all of a sudden you lose three of those first five and oh crap we're not really into this anymore. Because uh, right now in the Western Conference, there's what six teams. There's well, there's only two teams that are out. There's only two yes. teams that are not that are that right now are that we can consider sellers at the deadline. There's only yes. And uh, but you look at the and I'm holding the standings up right here, and you look at in the rest of the you have essentially Winnipeg, Dallas, Vancouver, Nashville. Incredible that Vancouver's up there. After how their season started and everything. Shit, you really can only say that Arizona and Colorado are the only teams in the entire league that don't have some sort of, we can, you know, that can firmly sit there and say we have no chance of making the playoffs. Because even if you look at the East. Well, the Islanders, I mean. The, I mean, the Islanders, I mean, we can, I feel like we can say with confidence the Islanders aren't going to make the playoffs. But, but, but you never know. They said they have four games in hand on Philly. They win all four of those games. They're tied with the Flyers. Exactly. And, and, they, and they fired their coach today. Yeah, and in the West you have the good thing for Dallas is they have they've played less games than they've played they've played less games than Winnipeg and they're ahead of Winnipeg in the stand they were tied with Winnipeg in points they've played less games than Calgary Nashville's a couple games behind them um, I mean the team with the most games in hand I believe in the Western Conference I mean right now there is a Looking at this, it's incredible. There's a nine-game point discrepancy, I believe. Nine-game discrepancy, I think, between uh, or is it six? Either either way, it's between who? 
Colorado's only played 41 games so far, which I believe is the lowest in the league. They're last in the league, and and you have uh, 47. 46, yeah, so you have six games between teams. Um, yeah. I don't know. The other thing, too, we talked about going to a three-point system last week. I, I hate the loser's point. I don't. I mean, I don't hate the loser's point. I get why they have it, but I hate the way it's structured right now. So it's basically you're creating parity for the sake of having parity. Mm-hmm. So everyone goes in to the last month of the year thinking they have a chance to make the playoffs and it's just dumb. It, well, it's, it's a, it's a system that create, I mean, that's probably why we'll stay with the two point system is it creates a system where you can claim more games on television and cl- impact the playoffs. And it also, I mean, it also creates such a system too, where if we're going off a traditional since if we're, you have over 500 and under 500, and it goes by points percentage, that's how we look at over 500 and under 500 in the if right. in, in a traditional sports sense, the Dallas Stars are 10, seven, sorry, 18, 19 plus 8 is 27. So in a traditional sports sense, the Stars, game, Stars are nine games under 500. Mm-hmm. They are one point under 500, I believe, by points percentage. Um, the Vancouver Canucks... Vancouver Canucks have really lost three straight games in overtime. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking at the streaks page of the uh, yeah, crazy. <laughs> Vancouver. Three, their last ten. Yeah. The Canucks are only four, only five games under 500 by going by traditional games over 500. Even, even the top team in the wild card spot, uh, the top two teams in the wild card, wild card spot right now are technically at 500 by, if you were a nutritional win-loss. Calgary's right. got 23 wins, 23 losses, three of them in overtime. Uh, right, and I'm sitting here saying this as a fan of the Dallas Stars, and the only reason the Stars are even in this, play- even remotely in the playoff race right now is because they've gotten the loser's point eight times this year. Yeah. And they're terrible in overtime. I mean, they're awful. They, 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 talked about that before. Did you? They suck in overtime. Yeah. There's a way you know. There's a fun, unique rule that we can thank John Tortorella for. Did you know you can not get a? There's a way to uh, not get a the loser point in overtime. What's that? If you pull your goalie in overtime and you lose, you don't get the loser point. Really? Yes. I did not know that. It goes back to I believe early '90s. John Tortorella was coaching the AHL at the time, and the system had recently gone into place, and they were playing a team that they were. His team really needed the. His team really needed to win. Getting a tie wouldn't wouldn't have been worthwhile, and so he said, "Screw it, let's go for the win." Pulled the goalie. The other team scored immediately. He still got his one point, but but he basically intentionally gave the other team a point by taking a bigger risk. The rule was then put in that if you pull your goalie in overtime, you do and you lose, you don't get the you don't get the loser point. Interesting. So. Did not know that. So, which leads to an interesting now. Okay, now we're we're about to go down a strange rabbit hole, um, which we always do in this podcast. Um, so you could lose, you could, you could unintentionally not get the loser point in overtime if, say, the other team commits a penalty. It's delayed penalty. You pull your goalie for the extra attacker during the delayed penalty, then score into your own net. You would not get the loser point. So that's a. That's a tidbit that there's there's some bar trivia for people. That's really all that minute and a half just did. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, uh, uh that's funny. We'll cl- we'll close today out with this. Um you're looking at right now in the in the Western Conference, Minnesota continues to uh Minnesota's making your prediction look bad right now, but it's still lots of time for that to change. Um, But you're basically looking at, uh, of that group of six, between Calgary, Los Angeles, Nashville, Vancouver, Dallas, and Winnipeg, you're looking at those six teams. Obviously, we don't have all their schedules in front of us, so we don't know exactly how it breaks up. But if you're going to pick, of that six, the two that get in, assuming the other, of those six, two get in, Right now, with how the teams are playing, look at how their health is. Who do you put your money on? If I say, if I'm giving you, if I'm giving you twenty bucks to put on two teams, which two do you say I'm putting my money on? To make the final. To make the final. To make the playoffs out of this group of six between from Calgary to Winnipeg in the standings. 
So for those who aren't looking at the standings page, that's the Calgary Flames, the LA Kings, the National Predators, the Vancouver Canucks, the Dallas Stars, and the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I'm going to say Nashville because I feel like they finally have enough offense to deal with or to kind of complement their defense. And I, honestly, it just depends when Jonathan Quick comes back. If Jonathan Quick comes back in early March, I say the Kings. If he doesn't, then God, probably Calgary. I don't know. Just because they're there already. Because I really can't see Winnipeg doing it. Especially after Lina got hurt. Yeah, well, the, after Lina got hurt, they just recalled Andre Pavlik, which <laughs> that's going to end well. Uh, Vancouver, I just don't think they have enough. <laughs> and Dallas is just a mess, so I don't really see the Stars making the playoffs at this point, to be completely honest. So I would say Nashville, for sure. Then L.A. if Quick comes back with enough time to kind of make a difference and get knock off the cobwebs and whatnot. And if he doesn't, then I think Calgary stays where they are. I like Nashville because I think they're a team. I think they have, and they might, who knows, they might do it right now. I think they've won three in a row right now. Um, I think they have the, they have the type of team that, because one of these six, two of these, couple of these teams are going to be able to go put together. They're not going to be Minnesota or Columbus Blue Jackets-esque runs, but someone's going to string together five or six wins in a row and, 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 that's going to be a key stretch we're going to look at and say that's how they won a playoff spot. I look at Nashville as a team that can do that. I think Nash- Nashville also has those games in hand we were talking about earlier. They've played the, the least amount of games of anyone uh, who's uh, of this group of six. Um, then I have to. I, I, I know it's risky to put trust in, in Peter Budai, and you mentioned Jonathan Quick coming back, but I just feel like the Kings are there. I think it's just a team that that gets that will get the job done uh, and how obviously with me saying that 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 would that would that would preclude that i don't believe the stars gonna be the playoffs right now they're not a good hockey team they just lost four to one to buffalo yesterday however yeah. who knows like things could change tonight uh, against the rangers and uh you talk about putting on a run if you get jamie ben tyler sagan and, and jason spezza all clicking at the. I mean, John Klingberg's finally starting to play like the guy he played like last year. If you get all these yeah. guys clicking at the same time, the Stars are certainly capable of going on completely that type of run. I just don't think that they've shown anything this year that would lead me to believe that they're capable of doing that. Right? That they're going to do that right now. They're certainly capable of doing it. I just don't feel like they're going to do it. Yeah, and we're, as we said, we're just handicapping on what we think of those final six. I mean, I think Dallas has an opportunity to. I just it's looking at if I was having to put my money down. I look at Nashville and L.A. as two teams that have a better shot at it right now. Um, last thing before you go, Ryan, uh, any response from the New York Rangers tonight uh, against Cody Egan? I imagine probably, but I, you know, I don't know. I it's a, like That's it. a soft team. That is a soft team, too. Yeah, I mean, it just, it didn't happen at the time, which leads me to believe something will happen just because that's how hockey goes sometimes i guess but if you i mean who's gonna fight i don't know if you want to throw kevin hayes out there to fight him fine so be it take your leading scorer off the ice for five minutes yeah cody just ruined part of my bar trivia for you i was gonna ask you could you name me the new york rangers leading point producer and their leading goal scorer <laughs> well you know I'll, I'll, i would not have been able to answer that i would have i knew I would not have pretty guessed Kevin Hayes. <laughs> yeah, I saw that because I, I have the, the iPad NHL app, and it does this whole little scouting report thing, and it has their leading scorers and all that mm-hmm. fun stuff. And I that blew me away, too. I was like, wow, because they have some good players on that team. I would have never guessed Kevin Hayes was leading that team in points. Yeah. I think uh, I, I think it'll be interesting if Egan does say somebody fights Egan tonight. If, if uh, And once again. If if he fights, if somebody fights Egan tonight, he only has two major penalties in his career coming into tonight. One for obviously the uh, prior said incident of uh, um, <laughs> crushing Henrik Lundqvist, <laughs> and the other for uh, fighting Jerome Ginla earlier in his career. Uh, <laughs> that I mean, means Rick Nash has to do it. Yes, keep it going that way. So 
I, I just think it would be funny if Eakin did fight tonight. That all of a sudden he'd have fought three career majors and two would be wrapped around this one incident. I think. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe, or maybe the Rangers go. Uh, maybe the Rangers go rogue and decide that the best, the best dish, best revenge is served uh, the exact same way, and somebody takes a run at whichever Stars goalie is in there tonight. And like I said earlier, I'm sure Stars fans will write that person a thank you note. <laughs> well. Speaking of thank you notes, everyone, thank you for listening. <laughs> I feel like the way the best way the Rangers could deal with that is just to beat the ever loving crap out of that the team is in a general tonight. Well, that's what uh, it was actually a pretty good point actually. If you watch that video going back to the beginning of this podcast on the stick breaking incident, where Craig Ludwig said that maybe Jamie Ben should take out some of that frustration against the Sabers. Right. Yeah. I, I thought it was funny, too, that some dude from the New York Daily News asked Chris Kreider about that. I'm like, really? You're going to ask the one, the dude who's most notorious for running opposing goalies what Cody Eakin should be expecting? Well, I guess it's kind of ironic because he's the one jabroni on that team who's going to know what to expect. But mm-hmm. I just found that to be wholly ironic that Chris Kreider was trying to dish advice about not running goalies. Yeah. <sighs> It'll be something to watch tonight. I, I, I think we'll see. Uh, if anything, it'll be a lengthy conversation, possibly. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully, my uh, my pirated feed of that game will be good. I didn't even bother watching the Buffalo game. I flipped it. A, I looked on Twitter, and it was uh, Tyler Ennis scores 19 seconds into his end of the game in his return. I'm like, yeah, I guess I'm not watching this game. <laughs> yeah. Well. Everyone, thank you for listening, and uh, thank you for subscribing and all of that, and uh, have a great week.